0: Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's Word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for Him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey everybody, we are back with another follow-up with Garen, talking about his message from June 25th. Garen, we entered into the Psalms. We entered in. We made our way through names of God And we are, we did Kairos, which is good. Good circle back. And now we're into the Psalms, which is going to be our summer series. So we're going to be here for a little bit. We're excited for it. And Gary, you kind of started us with an intro to the Psalms a little bit. Yeah. And just kind of got our feet wet. And so hopefully you guys enjoyed yesterday's teaching. Because if you didn't, it's going to be a long summer for you. It's just like, (laughs) yeah, it's going to be some tough content. But I think it's going to be really excellent. We started on a good foot. Um, And actually, there's something special about this podcast today. We have a guest with us in here, and it is my brother-in-law, AJ, who lives with, let's see, he married Katie's sister, Laura, and they live in the Bay Area together. And uh, AJ is on staff at a church out there at Three Crosses and just finished up at Western Seminary and graduated, and we always get to just talk about biblical things, and he Uh, listens to our podcast regularly. So like when we talk about stuff, he's like, oh yeah, like two podcasts ago and you mentioned this. I'm like, whoa, are you serious? You like, whoa, people listen? Okay, crazy. So he is here and um, we just want to get his thoughts on some things because he's great to talk to as well. So AJ, we're really glad you're here. We only have two mics. so I'm going to swing it over to you in a sec. But um, we're going to kind of get it going. And then my hope on this one, you guys are going to get used to me not talking. You're going to want that more. But my hope is to kind of just start the conversation and then let Garen and AJ kind of take it. Because they're the big brains in the room. And I'm just the, I'm just the setup guy. So we wanted to just talk about a little bit of how we started things off yesterday. Um, which was Garen, you kind of kicked us off with the fact that the Psalms, which was an interesting start, you you're gonna talk to us about the Psalms where you're like, hey, you guys probably don't like the Psalms. Or like a lot of people have negative emotions about the Psalms.
1: Yeah, it's and, a love you hate it kind of book I have found with people.
0: Right, and so um, yeah, talk about that that intro, and then AJ, I'm going to swing this over to you, and you kind of jump in when you have things to add to. But talk about why we maybe we have these negative emo- emotions about the Psalms, and how you plan to kind of overcome that this summer, Aaron.
1: Yeah, just yeah, I wanted to deal with that issue because I've actually heard that a lot. There's a lot of people you can talk to who they love them. You ask, what's your favorite psalm? They can tell you. They can tell you the verse. And But there's people I've talked to who are like, I can't stand these things. I don't get anything out of them. What's the point? And so I really kind of wanted to address that. You just had kind of two points. I wanted to address that. And then I wanted to kind of experience the psalms as they were probably in their worship, which is there's just different components and they would have sung them. And so I was just trying to get us to corporately experience them a little bit. But yeah, I was trying to speak to that issue. Why do people not like them? And usually it's the poetic and the fact that they're just negative. You know, I said six out of 10 are laments or have a lament part. And there's some people like these things are downers. I read them and they're depressing. Like, so what's the point? And even I'm going to bring you in, dude. I do this to you sometimes. I mean, what'd you say about in high school? I like what you said. For you, the Psalms, what what was your... Yeah,
0: for me growing up, the Psalms were just kind of like extra and... I don't know, I think it frustrated me because I didn't know what they were and I enjoyed parts of scripture that were more direct and had it like marching orders. So you'd read like an epistle and you'd say, okay, I feel like I know what God expects of me and I've got this this thing I can work on and it's measurable. And so I really like that. And then you go to the Psalms and it's like, this author is just repeating things and I don't even know why they're talking about these weird things and it's just kind of poetry. Yeah. And it just felt like second-class scripture to me a little bit. And I didn't know how it fit in or why we included it. And so um, I didn't really hate the Psalms, but to me, it was like extra credit. If you really want to go read something, you can read those. And it just wasn't like authoritative to me or anything. And so yeah, that's kind of kind of my experience. AJ, we want you to jump in on this. Talk about uh, all that, just experience with the Psalms growing up and and our thoughts on them and what you think of them.
2: Yeah, it's good to be with you guys, first of all. I mean, it's awesome to get to be on a podcast you listen to on a frequent basis. So uh, hopefully when I listen to this one, it's, it'll be good. But yeah, I think what you guys are saying, I think there's something about um, not understanding where something fits. Yes. That right. is really difficult. And so you come to the Psalms, which is a collection of journal entries that I know you mentioned on Sunday. And you're just like, what do I do with this? You know, what do I do? Yes. And the big thing about journals is, you know, there was a life event that happened yeah. when the person actually journaled. And so it, it harkens you back to do a little homework yourself mm-hmm. on like King David's life. And you figure out, okay, what is David going through in this situation? And like, you know, I, I love trying to get into the shoes of the writer, uh, writer's original intent and just trying to feel that emotion. And sometimes it's hard, you know, as you said, I'm probably one of those guys that has a hard time getting there with the Psalms and like getting to that emotional state. But there's something about trying to understand what the context is. And I think one thing that clicked for me, which just blew my mind with the Psalms, is um, going back to the Tanakh, which is the Jewish order of the Hebrew scriptures. And if you place it, and I think in Luke 24, it talks about the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. And so if you come to the Psalms in the order that it is today, like Esther, Yeah. Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. So it's kind of like in the middle of like this collection that uh, I don't know what to do, but if you take it with the law, prophets and Psalms, now all of a sudden you've downloaded this imagery in your mind of like the suffering servant in Isaiah, um, the good shepherd uh, and all of those link with David as well. And like Like, you're, you're you've run through the line of Kings and you're growing this anticipation for this Messiah. And all of a sudden you get almost a recall after going through all the the exile and all that, you're recalling back to the golden era where David is reigning and like, you're re-exploring his heart. And just in your mind, you're saying, man, there's something about this Psalm that is beautiful because David went through it. And you're also like, burning and yearning for the Messiah to come. Yeah. And that's, I think, opened my eyes. So it's not only like me, like trying to figure out my life and how my life fits in the Psalms, but it's like, there's something about the Davidic Messiah buried in the Psalms. That's just like beautiful.
1: Yeah. That's why if the diagram I had yesterday, the first two, the intro is Psalm one, Psalm two, and really set the stage for what they're deeply about, which is Torah, Psalm one, and Messiah, Psalm two. And so there's there's Messianic psalms sprinkled throughout that whole Davidic thing. And so there is a sense that it is pointing us to the future messiah. and and also just like you said, it's just, or we talked about it yesterday, it's people's journal entries, and you get to to really lean into their hearts. And that's part of how they teach you. You know when you're younger, I think the Psalms speak to you less. This is my guess, even my own life, because you you haven't had the pain and suffering. when you're older and you've got friends dying, you've got you're losing your parents, like some of that stuff. If you've got that vocabulary you've learned over the years, even when you're like, this doesn't quite fit me yet, and I don't totally get it, but you build up the vocabulary and you know the ones to go to, the later it really comes out of you and, and you've kind of set yourself up. And that's something I didn't even address yesterday, but that's part of the training of it, how they shape you is they give us vocabulary and words so that then later when I need them, I know, man, I've got to run to Psalm, Psalm 31 for this or just different things. So,
2: And I wonder too if it's like a speed of life thing. Because a lot of these Psalms, you just kind of have to sit with for a long yes, time, like a yes, lifetime, yes, like you're saying, yes. and um, in order to like truly understand what's going
1: on. So it's like, it's pulling a lot of imagery from the Old Testament. Yep. and so, Right. So you need to... You need to sit with yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> you need to sit with them. And last year, I talked about that, that you got to know the Old Testament well, because it has a lot of imagery. What you just said, you need to pay attention to the superscripts. When Psalm 3 tells you, I didn't know this till a month ago. I didn't pay attention. That Psalm is powerful, but when I realized... He wrote that when Absalom betrayed him and he got run out of the city. It doubled the, the level. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a Psalm to pray when somebody you deeply love betrays you. And I didn't realize that that was what was going on. Right. Or so, you could
2: read Psalm 51 just by itself. But then you put it in the context yeah. of David and Bathsheba and it's all of a sudden like, whoa, yeah, like against you and only you have I sinned. Like, wait a second, like what's going on here? Yeah, And that's worth a lifetime of like sitting with, I think.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of depth to them. And Jordan, what I would say, I'm the same way. Give me, I love the pros. Give me Paul. I could live in Paul my whole life. but um, And they they present to me what the Christian life should be. And I'm getting all my theology. But what I love about the Psalms is I get to just walk with people in their real life and in the ups and downs and in their highs and lows and how do they experience life. And I need to to get more real with my life with God, I think. And the epistles are great, and I learned so much. They're very heady, and they're very action-oriented. But so much of my Christian life is in the heart, and it's in what I'm experiencing. And that's what I feel like the Psalms add. And, you know, the history of the church, it's just been—the Psalms have been important, most quoted in the Old Old Testament and the New. It's got to be important. Most quoted by the early church fathers, most, again, one out of four people even today, it's the most thing they most reference. But— um, Throughout church history, there's always been this thing of you need to be in daily Bible reading, somewhere in the Bible, but you need to be at least, or they encourage you. This is not a checklist thing, or I have to, but be in the Gospels and be in the Psalms because you need to be in the life of Jesus continually, and you just need to be in these spiritual journals and like absorbing that because it really is about real life and how do you live real life and how do you respond to real life. Um, so that's what that's the value I've found in them. All right, first of all.
0: I've made a huge mistake. AJ is way too good at this.
1: <laughs> so, um, so
0: well, I mean, we're signing
1: a contract. I've he never I'm, comes to Kansas out. because I'll be out of a job so quickly. Yeah. I've so already got the need, contract
0: right here. Look at this. We it. need him to stay in California.
1: But I will um, say one thing, though. I, I am lamenting a little bit today. Today's created a lament because yesterday you had on your San Jose Sharks which is the greatest That's right, yeah. the greatest logo mascot in the history of sports, yeah. in my opinion. Gotta eat that stick. But today you've got Stanford. I'm telling you, that is the most lame mascot I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't even know. Is it a Christmas tree? I don't even know what that thing is. <laughs> And it's got a goofy smile. That's fair. But I'm kind of I am lamenting a little bit because how, 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 how long? How long
2: Stanford? How long? Do I? How long O Stanford? Change your
1: mascot? How long? <laughs> yeah. Can we write a Stanford mascot <laughs> lament? So yeah, yesterday I was I was in the praises because of the sharks, and today like I've been drawn in lament. So I've kind of sidetracked this, but I had to say something about I think- that. I
0: think K-State fans are just glad that you're digging somebody else for a change. Like they're not coming after them for once. So they get a, they get a week off.
1: Well, it's our revenge because you guys beat us a few years ago in the NCAA tournament, so. That's right. So That's all I have to say. <laughs> AJ, AJ just walked
0: out the door. He dropped the mic. He's done. Hey, Garen, I would say a pushback I have is what would you say to somebody who says, you know, I don't really get a lot out of the Psalms. When I read the New Testament, um, or even some other parts of the Old Testament, I feel like I really get out a lot out of it. The Psalms just really feel kind of second class to me. I don't feel like there's a lot of authority in them. I I don't know what to do with it. So convince me that my time is better sent, spent in Psalms than in like 1 John where I'm being taught to love or Ephesians where I'm being you know taught to walk out my face in real ways. Like make a case to me, the average person sitting here who doesn't have a lot of, a lot of Psalms experience and probably doesn't think a lot out of, out of them, why should I make it a priority to be in them?
1: Yeah, I, I really do. I kind of go back. I, one, they're in this section that, that's really about wisdom literature. You've got you know Job, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs. Proverbs hits that, that need in me to, I just want something to do. Like, tell me don't lie and I won't, you know, or whatever. But there's, there's this, wiz, that's, they're really about wisdom. And wisdom's about living life well, um, living, living the good life. And so there's a lot of wisdom in there. And you know, in our Western culture, we're all about the head. We're just very heady. You know when you talk about, I've heard people say the reason when we envision aliens, they've got giant heads because we live in a culture that's all about thinking and knowing and knowledge, but not much about the about the emotional experience of things and about, you know, really living real life. and how do you walk with God in real life in the mess of things? And to me, that's what they do is they they bring so much wisdom. I'm just living a, and just living in real life. That's what I feel like. What AJ? What do you?
2: Yeah, I think it's a valid point because you know you never want to isolate yourself to one book because all of these books are related. And when you do get to the New Testament authors, like they're gonna make you go back to the Psalms, yeah, <laughs> over, and yes, over and over and over and over, again. right? And even Jesus, you know, yes, you probably listening know a couple of the easy ones, but like, my God, why God, why have you forsaken me? Like that comes out of the Psalms, and you're just supposed to figure out that connection and try to meditate on that, like what's going on. And it's again, like that Davidic Messiah that we've been longing to, to see is being fulfilled in this person, Jesus, or, uh, you know, I think Jesus uses, uh, my, uh, the Lord said to my Lord, you know, uh-huh. when he was arguing his, you know, Messiah ship, I guess you could call it. But then I, I think of like Romans three that comes to mind and, uh, Paul, he's just like rattling off Psalms left and yes. right. And he's making the argument like there's something there that um you know David couldn't see it, but now we see it in the New Testament. And so, so we can make those connections now that we have sort of the key of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you know, he says that again, all of the law, the prophets, the Psalms were written about him. Yeah. And so um, it's it's worth meditating on. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if I say all that matters really is the New Testament, but they reference this more than any other part of the Old Testament then there's got to be really deep value in it. And I, I've got to immerse myself in it like they did. Um, and even the other thing about, if you don't mind, that just popped up that whole training. I think I've said this before in a sermon, that whole training on prayer. Jonah's prayer in chapter two, I think quotes 15 different places in the Psalms. It was so in his heart that when he finds himself in the midst of it, I mean, he was in deep. And he literally, he was in deep. And, but the Psalms are what was out of him because he, he had immersed himself so much in them.
2: And it seems like what you're saying, like Jonah having that heart, David having that heart, and then Jesus like exemplifying that heart. And it just goes to your point of like, this should be our hearts as well. And that should like inspire us to, to see those connections. Like deep down, like this is the suffering servant's heart with David. Obviously David's not perfect. He's, he's sinful and Jesus is not. And so Jesus is like the the perfected David, like the Davidic Messiah. And so, if that's the case, then we're followers of Jesus. Like, that should be our heart. And that's what draws us to the Psalms. And it makes us question, like, whoa, like, is that my heart? You know? And sometimes for me, yeah, it's hard to get there. Right.
0: I think uh, something else that is useful to mention, Garen, something that stuck out to me yesterday. I love how you said when we read the Psalms, we're reading over the shoulder of the greats, right? Mm-hmm. That we're reading their journal entries, yes. that we are getting to experience firsthand their raw emotions. And um, I just wanted to maybe put that back out to you guys and, and maybe follow up because that is so powerful. I know that when I read the Psalms and, it, and I read them the same as everything else, they don't make sense to me. But if I know that I'm reading somebody's diary and I, I know that this is their safe place to mm-hmm. share raw emotion with God, mm-hmm. <coughs> sorry, um, it just makes so much more sense to me. And so… <coughs> AJ.
1: put something in my drink, so I can't talk, because I' my time.
0: <laughs> so I kick it back to you guys.
1: Yeah, but so again, Jordan, that's important. Um, because we need there's all sorts of different types of literature and different things all to the Bible. And I've got to know how to approach each one. I've got to know its intent, what's it doing? And so if I'm coming to the Psalms to exegete them like a, an epistle, a letter of Paul, they're so different and right. So I've got to come to them knowing that this is a journal entry. This is a prayer. It's meant to become that I am to pray it, not just read it back, even if I don't feel it. But I'm still by doing that, I'm learning the language that there's just so many. So that's part of what I've tried to do last year with the the first week. I tried to give an overview. That's what I was trying to do today is I want to give us the sense of how do you understand and approach these? Because if you go to a football, if you go to every sport and you think it's all played by the rules of football, you're not going to get what's going on with soccer and baseball. You know, each one is a little different. Different rules of how you approach it and how you watch it. And that's what scriptures like. You read you read the Torah differently than you read the history. Then you, then you read the wisdom literature. Then you read the prophets. Then you read the gospels. Then you read the epistles. Then you read the book of Revelation, which we don't want to get there because that thing is pretty whacked, right? But uh, <laughs> and maybe someday AJ can come back and do a series on oh, that man, for us. blessed that would are those be who awesome. read
2: this revelation. Man. Yeah,
1: so, but you've got to know each one and even things inside of them. Parables are, diff- are pre- you know, interpreted differently than other things. And, so that's why I kind of do these overviews before we jump in a book, because we got to know how to read them and approach them, or else we don't appreciate them and don't know how to approach them and what we're intended to get out of them.
2: I think one of the best examples of that are the acrostic poems, where uh, you probably can't see it in the English language. But if you did some Hebrew homework, you'd realize that some of these poems are written with the first letter of the alphabet throughout. So Psalm 119 is a great example of this. If you Flip open your Bible. You might see the Hebrew letter of that section. You probably won't see it in English, but that's again like it's meant to be something different than the epistles. It's meant to be this beautiful art form that's coming out, and um, I think it helps because you know we're not entirely minds. You know, we're we're not like brains floating around. We have emotions, and like I think one of our the laments, I suppose, of our society is like, what do we do with those emotions? Like, are we supposed to elevate them to like the, you know, our truest identity? Like, is is what I feel like who I am or am I supposed to suppress them and be stoic? Like, we're just balls of emotions and I feel like sometimes we don't know what to do with them and
1: Psalm gives us an outlet. For yes, that. Yeah. right. We don't know what to do And That's a big, a big critique of our culture. I mean, even I've learned post-parenting All this stuff about even identifying your emotions, teaching your children to do that, teaching them how to handle—I didn't know any of that stuff because our culture is not good at it. And that's where the Psalms really go. And that's—I think—that's why I said they're uncomfortable to a lot of, especially guys. But I've got to be willing to go there because there's so much spiritual depth in them, and so much I need to learn, especially at the feet of David, right? And don't we elevate these dudes—David, Solomon, Moses—they're the saint, they're perfect, they've got everything. These dudes, when you look over their shoulder, you're like, they live a life I live. Like they they've been betrayed and they've they've experienced the things I have. So to me, it it helps bring them down to my level of where I live and struggle, and I need that. All right, I've got a
0: drink and I'm back again for another. I just want I just want to like drop a grenade and then let you guys let it explode and, <laughs> and, and, then, and you guys and then you're take gonna it. bail on us. Right. And so here's my next grenade. Aaron, you said something else that was so useful for me personally yesterday, and I wonder if it resonates with others was along this theme of this is a diary, this is raw emotion. The Psalms gave the authors permission to share really ugly thoughts mm-hmm. and yes. feelings and emotions and frustrations. And I just, I don't, I don't think I have taken full advantage of that to realize that. I have those things inside me, and God gives me permission to mm-hmm. let those out with him. Yes. Now, if you follow the pattern of the lament, it doesn't end with that. I mean, God doesn't want us to stay there. But I think growing up, I just thought it was so wrong to feel those things, to feel anger or hurt or you know, a, a need for revenge on someone or something, and to just suppress it, never talk about it, never share it with God. And here you see people doing that on the pages of Psalms. Yes. And so maybe you guys just talk about like, do we do we do that in the church? Do we not? Um, what's the value in that? Or maybe for you personally, if that's something you found freedom in, because when I realized that it's okay to, to verbalize those things with God and the Psalms ask me to do that and show me a healthy spiritual way to do that, that was so freeing for me. Like, I don't have to suppress this anymore. or feel guilty that I want revenge on this thing. It's like, mm-hmm. David's right. been there. This author's yes. been there. And so, I don't know, just talk about that because that was really useful for me. And I hope that other people pick that up too.
1: Yeah, that, that I can, it gives me permission to be confused, to doubt, to struggle, to be mad at God, to not understand God, to be frustrated. Because a lot of them, it's about people around them they're frustrated or angry at, but a number of them, it's about God. And we're not good at that, but it's, impo- it's an important part of following Jesus and the spirituality that God calls us to. So it's very earthy. I had a Muslim friend. And I showed him some Psalms. He said, we could never do that. Hmm. If we prayed that God would blow us out of the water because God does not allow you to question him or anything. That's what I love about the Bible is he's a God who's like, I mean, we saw with Jacob, I'm going to come into your life in your most difficult points and let's wrestle and I'll take your best moves and your best shots and all that because I can handle it. But at the end of the day, he's going to win and bless me. And, and I'll realize he's Lord and all of that. But um, he, he wants to get in the thick of it with us and it does, he's not afraid of it.
2: I think of the book of Job too, where it's just, I mean, he's commended for arguing with God and like bringing it to him. And I think that's like the summary point of the book of Job is like, uh, yeah, you can have all those doubts. You can have all those angst about what's your situation. And David surely had them, you know, being on the run as the anointed one, like waiting, when is this? Kingdom gonna happen, like I got Saul chasing after me, yeah, and like he goes to the Lord, and I think that's what like God would have us to do. It's like be real, and I love what you said. Like he's not interested in in your mask. He's not interested in that. He's interested in your heart. And um, yeah, if you've got those in you, I think, um, you know, there's two ways you can go. You can go out and like start hurting people, like yes, bearers, or yes. you can bring it up. Yep, you bring and, it up. Um, I think that's kind of the summary of those you know Job Psalms Proverbs you know fearing
1: God and like realizing that he's in control over it all yeah and that's the whole thing with those imprecations and I still don't yeah. know what that word means but <laughs> they're they're horrible you know bashing babies heads and all that but and that's the one I did last year but God's like you need to you need to talk about that but I'm the safe place to do that you talk to me and then you leave it to me because I am the one who is an ultimate charge of justice and all of that and you just leave it here and now you 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 know you go out and you love with with uh, unconditional love and you do all, you pray and you bless people, but you bring that to me and leave it here because this is where it belongs is with me. So there's so it's so important. I feel like, and it
2: might be really easy for you know some skeptics out there or you know critics of the Bible to like isolate those yes, texts. Yes. But I think what you said was really important. There's usually like a but in uh-huh. there. You know like right. but something else, and it always. It seems to always end with, like, you reign, but uh-huh. you still reign. Like, um, even though I'm going through all this mess, like, you were on the throne. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I love, yeah, I love even, you know, looking at the Psalms around those, like, tough ones. It's like, it'll immediately, the next, like, you flip the page over and it'll mean you send you to a, reigning psalm or something where he's just glorifying, like a praise psalm. Yes,
1: right. And even so last, like you picked up the diagram and I said yesterday, I left the royal or the enthronement psalms till the end because we need, in, in the world we live in, we've got to know that he reigns. Right. And on the diagram I had on there that that is kind of the core theme running through a lot of it is that he's the one that's reigning and in charge. So in all of those prayers, that's the thing that's got to be behind it. And that's where trust comes in and why trust is so important. So...
0: That's so good. We don't have a ton of time left. With the remaining time, I wanted to ask this of you guys. Um, So I think we can agree that quantity is king in the Bible, meaning that if the Bible mentions something a lot, it's probably important to God that we understand it and meditate on it. Um, So, Garen, you said Psalms is the largest book of the Bible. It's the most quoted book in the Bible. We see Jesus referencing it all the time. Um, and within the psalms, over half of them are laments, meaning um a, a complaint with God, a question of why something is the way it is, not being happy in this in this moment, in this text, and asking God for a an explanation in it. So, my question is this: if the biggest book in the Bible and the biggest chunk of the biggest book in the Bible is about lament, <laughs> what is that what is God trying to get across to us? Um because just by the numbers, that's, that's a big part of, of his word to us. And so yes. would you guys just talk about what you think the reasoning behind that is? Because nothing in the Bible is by chance. Every word is there for a reason. So yeah, talk about what, what's God trying to get across to us by putting lament in the Psalms so
1: often, making the Psalms the biggest book of the Bible. Yeah, to me, it's a large story. We go from creation, where everything's full of shalom of God, to corruption. It's not as He intended. Redemption in Jesus, and then restoration, partial now, ultimate. We are in the middle of corruption. That's where we are. We're in the midst of this broken world, and that's why I think it's so important. Because you've got to know how do you live a life before God truly in a broken world, and that means you feel the pain. And you acknowledge it, and you take it to him, and he's the main one. But you ultimately trust him that he is good, that he is the one, not only one who created. But he's taking this world somewhere, and ultimately, everything sad will come untrue because he is king. And so, to me, it it fits perfectly in the story of God and where we find ourselves.
2: Yeah, and it's a, it's about real people, and I think what you're saying is like the Bible has a vested interest in pointing out that this world is not right. Like it, yep. there is sin, and um, I think. A high percentage of laments doesn't surprise me because again, we have just read the fall of Israel and just the tragic stuff, the horrific stuff that is displayed in the Bible that God's people uh, committed. You know, I think of, you know, sacrifices to Molech, I think of, you know, stealing wives and, you know, all of this sort of like unsensible things that are happening. And I think the Bible, like you said, wants you to wrestle with like, how do you survive in this? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, like, I think having all those laments makes you yearn for a savior. (laughs) Like, it makes you yearn for Jesus. And I think that's what the Old Testament is just screaming off the page. It's just saying, like, we are in such, we are in sin so deeply that we need something outside of ourselves. And, you know, one of my favorite Psalms and I know the Bible project videos points this out, but like the one Psalm of Moses, uh, Psalm 90. And if you kind of track, I'd love to do a percentage of like where the lament Psalms are, but if you keep track of like the first, I think three books up to that point of, of the Psalms, it seems like the majority of them are like chunked in there because it's like tracking the life of David. Yes, so up and down. And then you get to Psalm 90, which is the one of Moses. And it's like, okay, if I'm programmed to, to be looking for this Moses-like prophet, like this, this new and greater Moses, and now all of a sudden Moses is showing up like near the middle of the book, like this, this is probably an important psalm. And what you find is like it's a reference back to um, Moses offering himself up to save the Israelites who had just um, created the golden calf. And it's like, there's something about that Psalm that turns the entire Psalter on its head. And like, after that, you get the Hallel Psalms, the Praise Uh Psalms, like the Songs of Ascent that are like, and the, you know, you get to the end, Psalm 119, you get all those Psalms on the back end that are just like shouting out, our God continues to reign. And I've just been like growing more and more convinced that that Psalm 90 is like a hinge point. And again, it goes back to that one sacrificial act of the the greater Moses, the the Davidic Messiah that was like embedded into those texts, and uh to me, it's just like, wow, there's something, there's something there. <laughs> yeah.
1: If I'm not, I don't know, I don't have my diagram, but yeah. I, I think if I remember right, that is the first Psalm of Book Four. Yeah. I'm not certain of that.
2: Yeah. But that- because I do know Psalm 89 is like another unique one where it's like Ethan, I uh-huh. think, or Simon, yeah. one of the two. Right. And then like the closing of song of Book Two is also one of my favorite Psalm 70. Opening of Book Three. I'm not sure. One of the parameters of like the books, and it's the Song of Solomon, and so it's like I feel like whoever's editing this is putting like Psalms in unique spots at the beginning of end to yeah. like tie this story together. Right. And I think he's putting the Song of Sol like the the Psalm of Solomon, which I think is one or two, um, mm. to show you that like yeah, we're still looking for this Davidic Messiah. We're still looking. We're still looking. And life is going to be
1: up and down through this yep. entire process. So. Yep. And that longing for his ultimate reign and for new creation, because don't we long for that? And it speaks to that. And so much of it even refers back to to Genesis 1 and 2, so much language of the garden language. So just that reminder that I think they're very deeply rooted in the story of God and where we are in the middle of it, which is we're in the mess right now. And we long for old creation. We long for the way it was. We long for new creation. So that's what Tolkien's all about, right? the The memory of the past and where we're going in the future. So,
0: Yes, yeah, so those of you who had your Garen uh, bingo cards out yesterday and were getting nervous, <laughs> Tolkien made a late appearance. So you can mark that one off. Hey, we are we're kind of at time, but I just wanted to have one more comment that we kind of kicked around. Garen, I feel like so much of what you're doing this summer is you are a lawyer up there lobbying for the Psalms, talking to people about why they matter and just trying to give us these tools in our tool belt so that we can read them well and get good things out of them. And so. As we wrap, we had lots of other stuff we want gonna talk about, we couldn't get to it all, but as we wrap, maybe just from each of us, just one thing to share, if we could share with people about why the Psalms matter or one tip or piece of advice or, or how it's been special to you, just to kind of ignite a spark in them um, to read the Psalms, maybe what would that be for you? And I'll start to give you guys kind of a second to think. I guess mine would be when I realized I had to read the Psalms differently, not just like different genre, but I mean, I, I sit down and, and what I told my students this last year as we talked about the Psalms is sit down and even like have some soft music going in the background, kind of like set the mood for the Psalms a little bit because it is poetry. It is art. It is a song. And for me, just like setting the room for that and getting my mindset so that I can read them slowly and read them as lyrics. um, It was really hard for me to do that because it's more effort to get in that zone for me. But once I kind of understood what they were and set the room for the Psalms a little bit, like, okay, I'm going to read this really slowly. And I'm actually going to meditate on it and not just read it for content or information, which is what I like to do. That's when it started to matter to me. And so I guess I would say, if you need to do that too, then do it because I've been the person who buzzes through the Psalms for information and it's no fun. You don't get anything out of it. So I had to really not just realize I'm reading a different genre, but just really set my heart, like turn the knob of my heart a little bit to be ready to to read a whole different piece of literature. So that's my piece. What would you guys say to somebody and and just give them a little bit of advice on the Psalms or a way that it's special to you or try and light that spark within
1: them? Yeah, people around, people need them. Um, I've been walking with some people going through deep grief this, the last few months. And for me to be able to say, you're not just throwing out the good things, right? The, hey, the praise things and all that. People need that. But to be able to throw out and say, these things you're feeling, like I feel abandoned, like I'm this close to death, whatever, I, have, I can't sleep, to throw those out and let people know this is the word of God and people experience this and God is cool with that and he wants you to give voice. I frequently, I more and more, the longer I live, the more I share laments with people who are in it because I want them to know that what they're, I know what they're feeling and that God's like, he's in that and he's for it. And so that's what I'd say.
2: Well, I'd say as a person who has a hard time still with the Psalms of like trying to get there, um, I would say, let it paint a picture for you. But in a way that, um, you know, maybe you're reading the Psalm and then you're just like, what in the world are they talking about? Super artistic language. Let it paint a picture um, for you based on the context that it's like pulling from. So we talked about a lot about like, you know, the life of David. Like you're gonna be constantly in the book of Samuel, like trying to figure out, okay, who is Absalom? Like, uh, what's going on? And I think for me, that helped me a lot of just like trying to empathize and sympathize with David um in that setting. Um, a lot of the, the great thing about Psalms is a lot of the the imagery has already been painted. And now it's just like the art the artists are coming in and like putting it all together. And so I, I even think of like Psalm one, like the the image of like tree with living water. Like that's Coming from Jeremiah and like Jeremiah speaking to something, a a context of like the Israelites leading to exile, you know, and it's like, man, how refreshing is that to hear um, that no matter what the craziness around you, that you can be planted firmly. And that, I guess it just enhances the image in your mind or thinking about like the songs of ascent that you mentioned yesterday, like those are being sung at a time where they're, they're, you know, making their journey to Jerusalem. And like, okay, what would I be going through in this journey? Like even pulling out a map or something. Um, One of the great examples is like, um, I think there's a couple of songs by the Sons of Korah. And like, for me, I think of like, those are the descendants possibly of the people that got swallowed up by the earth in numbers, you know, like, what are they going to say? You know, and um, I think there's language about the earth, like opening up and, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of like imagery that's already been painted for you. If you dig a little bit and just like meditate, I know that's a big word in Psalm one, meditate on God's word, um, all these connections will start coming. And you can even go to the New Testament and see how, um, you know, all sorts of different things are being pulled. (laughs) The crazy example, Melchizedek, I'm thinking of Psalm 110, but uh, yeah, there's just so much imagery that's like laden in the scriptures that if you just sit with it and, you know, if you have questions, ask them. And then go and dig out those answers. I think that's like how you meditate on Scripture.
0: That's also good. Hey, we are at our time. I want to say thank you to AJ. Man, you flew all the way to Kansas just to be on this podcast, AJ. That is is insane. Um, Yeah, thanks, AJ, for being here. Garen, thanks for taking us through the Psalms. I am excited for the summer series. I'm excited in a new way, though. Like Sometimes you'll teach something and I'm like, yeah, it's my wheelhouse. I can't wait to dig in. And this is more excitement like I know that I have room to grow in the Psalms and I'm excited to see where I'm at at the end of the summer and just the new things you're going to show us. So it's not my wheelhouse, but I'm willing to like enter into it. And so I guess maybe we hope everybody else is there too. Like we get it. You probably haven't read a lot of Psalms. You maybe know a few. It's a little foreign to you, but if you'll go with us on this thing, it's going to take us to a good place. Is that right, Garen?
1: Yep. That's my hope.
0: Cool. All right, guys, we're out of here. Thanks for your time. Hope it was useful. And we'll see you back here next week.